Amen. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Father, we thank you for your presence here this afternoon. Lord, we thank you that you're an awesome God, and we get to worship you, praise you, and honor you, Lord. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you're calling every one of us to run a race for your glory, Lord, that you've got a plan, a destiny for us. And Lord, I ask today, Father, that you would start to reawaken, Father, those that have sat down in the race. Lord, reawaken those that, reinvigorate those that have given up hope in the race. Lord, that you would start to stir up this body, Lord, every single member to be effective for you, Jesus. And Lord, I pray today that a, a fresh move of the Spirit would begin to move in the hearts of your children. Lord, that we would know you in a deeper way. Lord, that we would be inspired to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Wonderful. Do take your seats. Thank you so much to the worship team for leading us today. It's great to worship with you. And we are continuing this series, Get Up and Go. And today's message we're going to be looking at, Getting Your Second Wind. Now, Chris was here a couple of weeks ago talking about shaping up for action and bringing all of his experience in the military to bear. And Jonathan last week talking about the willing, men, winning mentality, being stronger together. And today's message, maybe you might be wondering how it might apply to you, getting your second wind. Well, there's a couple of other ways that we could present this title. How do I get back up when life has done its best to knock me down? Anyone here trying to figure that out? Are you all victorious Christians? Hallelujah. Or maybe you're asking a different question. How do I build a momentum in my life that carries me through certain times that might otherwise have destroyed me? Now, when I look across this room, myself included, I'm conscious that all of us need a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance and hundreds of chances in our walk with God. God is so gracious that every single one of us, He picks us up exactly where He finds us, and He lifts us and starts to encourage us in the race with Him. And if I was to say in one sentence everything that I'm trying to say this afternoon, and we'll hopefully get through everything by 4 o'clock, you know me, we could well be here till 4.30, not sure yet. You're worried, aren't you? Um, but a summative statement for us, for us all to fulfill our destiny, we've got to come to a point where we trust in the goodness, power, and life of God enough to get up again and again and again, whatever life might throw at us, so that we come to the point where we prove and approve God's will as perfect. Sounds like a little bit of a mouthful. But what I'm trying to encourage us with is this idea that every single one of us, we have a place, we have a part, we have a purpose to play in this body. Your strength in Christ helps me. My strength in Christ helps you. Our strength together helps glorify Christ. So how do we get into a place where we are flowing with the second wind? Now, I don't know how many of you know what the second wind is, so let me give you a brief explanation. How many of you in this room jog or do any kind of regular exercise? Some of us. Amen. Now, I only know about the second wind conceptually because I'm, I'm going to explain it to you. Second wind is when you go out running. And I do go out running, believe it or not, hallelujah. Some people in the room have been jogging buddies with me, and they've been patient and waiting for me to catch up with them. But it's when you go out jogging, and you're running hard, hard as you can, and then you start to feel the burn in your lungs. And then you start to feel 
the tiredness starting to set in and you start to feel that ache enter into your muscles and you've only been running for two minutes. And then you carry on. And then you carry on and you're like, Jesus, stop punishing me. I've only got to a hundred meters, a thousand meters or a couple of kilometers. Lord, you know, I can't do this anymore. But it's when you've pushed beyond that, you've hit up to five, six, seven K. And I have run a seven K one time. Hallelujah. But it's when you hit up to five, six, seven K and you feel like you're not going to be able to run any further. And then suddenly something kicks in. And suddenly you get a fresh lease of of life and you're able to push on through as though you were fresh at the start and you're able to finish that race as strong as you began that race because you continued at that point where you could have stopped and fallen apart. Now, normally I would wave goodbye to you at that point. I'd sit down, have a glass of water, wait for you to come back on the return leg of your running the race and then I might join you on the way back. But that's what the second wind is. The second wind is is when you hit the wall and you push through. And isn't that so much like life? When we're facing the life that God has given us, sometimes you might start to be running up against the wall. You might have started out well. You might have started out strong, and then you might suddenly find yourself as if you've run into a wall of treacle, and you're suddenly having to push through, and you're just trying to make it through to the other side, and you don't really know what's going on, but you know that there's a place that God has got for you to get to, and you're trying to wade your way through, and then it gets more and more tired, and more and more weary, and you get to the place where you might think about sitting down, stopping the running, giving up. I'm going to pick up from a theme that Jono left us with yesterday, last week, that we are in this together. And if I can strengthen and encourage you today, or if you can strengthen and encourage someone around you, then we can continue to the place where we get that second win. See, that's what happens when you're running in a race, when you're running in a, in a distance run. The person next to you, they start to encourage you, hey man, just a little bit longer, shorten those steps a bit. Don't, don't start walking, shorten the steps, give it a little bit less, but keep up that momentum, keep going, keep going, because it's going to come, it's going to come that point where you start to be able to run as you had run before. And Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25, two verses favorite of mine in scripture. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day's coming where we are gonna be standing before God. And what is gonna be the quality of us standing before the living God? Are we going to be able to stand and say, God, I lived for your glory as much as I knew how. I tried to glorify Jesus. Or are we going to say, God, I did it for me. I did it for my agenda. But we need to encourage one another if we want it to be the first. Otherwise, we'll find it to be the second if we do it for our own selfish agenda. Now, continuing in Hebrews onto chapter chapter 12, verse 1. I want to read quite a section of scripture. This is going to give us our outline for today's message um, to inspire us in taking up our second wind. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, 
and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who have disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may be put out of joint, may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord." See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. This amazing passage is a passage that, if any of us were to spend time studying Hebrews, sits immediately after the famous chapter on the whole of faith, where God reminds us through the writer to the Hebrews of all the different great fathers of the faith and all of them who've made an amazing mark for us today, whether they were going through trial, whether they were having to believe God for promise, whether they fell away and were restored, whether they were just clinging on to God in the middle of difficult circumstances. Every single one of them has a testimony for us today. And what's so amazing about most of them, if not all of them, is that every single one of them was a human being that made mistakes. The Bible isn't full of people that have lived perfect lives. There are very few people that have a testimony where they made it without falling. There is always a story to learn from one or the other of them. And that encourages us because God is dealing with us as real people. He's not talking to us in a context of a pre-fall world and expecting us to uphold the standards of a pre-fall world, but rather he comes alongside us in the middle of our fallen world. And he encourages us and he lifts us and challenges us to keep pressing on towards him and believing him in faith. And so just prior to this passage, we've got the great section on the whole great hall of faith. And then the writer begins to inspire us and challenge us in our battle against sin. Maybe we find ourselves struggling right now with various sin, with various challenges, but he reminds us and encourages us of our position as sons, sons and daughters of the living God. And that helps us make sense of the challenge, of the struggle that we're facing right now, because God is bringing forth in us qualities and character that we would not previously have known except that his discipline was on us. And he calls us to grow in fruit and step into our second wind. Now, that broad outline is the outline that I'm gonna seek to follow by asking us some questions, asking us where we're at, and then encouraging us on the way forward. 
I wonder how many of you at one point in your life, if it's today or previously, have ever hit the wall, especially when it comes to your faith. Um, Colin, the senior minister here at Kensington Temple, got me into diving. And I have grown to love scuba diving. Before, I might have thought it was a little bit too much of a, a calm sport. I much prefer motorbikes and skydiving and s- snowboarding. But there's something absolutely phenomenal about entering a whole world that you can't see from above the water. You know, when you're swimming in the sea, you're worried that a fish is going to be coming and nibbling at your toe. Or maybe a shark. But when you get into the water, you start to realize that actually there's no fish from the top all the way to, through to the bottom. And when you get down to the bottom of the sea, you start to see all of these amazing fish and, and uh, different creations of God. And it is a phenomenal and amazing world. And so it, it's become a little bit of a passion. Whenever I go to different places in the world, I want to go diving. And recently we were on a, uh, last year we were on a summer holiday in Thailand uh, with Esteban and his wife and having a fantastic time over there. And we just, I just said, you know what, we've got to go diving, sweetheart. We've got to go diving. And we got on a boat and we didn't realize that this boat journey was going to be a three-hour boat journey. And we're sitting on this boat and they pull out of the harbor and we're suddenly in the open sea and the waves are pretty big. And we ended up seesawing like this. We're trying to go this way, and the boat was literally going like this. And as much as I love scuba diving, I don't do well with seasickness, and so I was having to munch all of the seasickness tablets that were available to me. But that wasn't so bad, because we knew we were going somewhere. We knew that we were heading in a specific direction, and it was to get to a great spot where there's some great diving and some beautiful land features. But then at one point, the boat begins to slow down. And it doesn't any longer have the momentum going in one direction. It's getting a little bit chopped around, and it's gone from doing this to doing this. <laughs> you just don't know where you are. And then the boat starts to suddenly turn around and shift around. And when you were previously going one direction, you're suddenly all over the place, and then the engine stops. And you're asking yourself, oh, my God, what is going on here? Do I know where I'm going? Do I know what's going to happen? And that reminds me so much of what life can be like when we are trying to walk for God, trying to live for God. And you might have all the strength you need to be going in one specific direction, but then along comes a wave. Maybe you lose your job, or along comes a wave. Maybe a relationship breaks down, or along comes a wave. Maybe you get sick in your body. Along comes a wave. Maybe you get hit with a bill that you can't afford, and you know that there are other bills mounting up. And you start to try and make your way through, and then suddenly that passion for God, that desire to move forward in the things of God, desire to move forward in the purpose of life begins to get challenged, and the engine starts to die down, and you find yourself drifting around and wondering what is going on. Maybe it's a number of waves, or maybe it's just the one wave. Maybe you lose a family member. Maybe you get uh, diagnosed with a serious sickness like cancer, and you just, oh my God, where are you at? Maybe you just stopped living for God. Maybe you just stopped pursuing him. Maybe he wasn't answering prayer quick enough and your passion to live for him started to die down. You know what happens when you hit the wall, when something knocks you down or tries to destroy you? You get dejected. How many of us have ever sat before God and said, God, what did I do wrong? If I can just figure out what I did wrong, then maybe I can make it right. Maybe we get disconnected. We say, you know what? That church is so full of holy people. 
that, you know, I'm just going to disconnect for a while because I don't want to have to look them in the eye and say, I messed up. I made a mistake. I can't explain or don't want to explain where I am right now. And I'm just going to go away over here and wait until I'm holy enough, wait until I'm restored enough, and then I'm going to come back with my head held high. Maybe we get disarmed. We just say, you know what, I can't do this anymore, God. I can't do it anymore. It doesn't make sense to me. Or maybe you get disorientated. Saying, God, you know what? If only you tell me what your will is. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Am I supposed to get this job? Am I supposed to make that career move? Am I supposed to do this training? Am I supposed to start a relationship with that person or end a relationship with this person? God, I don't even know where I'm supposed to go. And if you've ever faced one of those situations, I'm sure you felt the despair. And woke up feeling like, you know what, God, I can't be bothered to read my Bible. God, I really don't feel like praying. The church thing is, what are my friends doing? Who can I go hang out with? What other thing can I do? And if you've experienced any one of those things, don't worry because you're in good company. (laughs) Because the person next to you is probably experienced or experiencing right now the same, same feeling of having hit the wall. Having come to a point where we need to keep pushing through, but we don't know how to keep pushing through. Where we need to have someone come alongside and encourage us, but we're just too sensitive to allow somebody to come alongside and encourage us. And many of you are probably asking yourself, what got you here? And there are a few options. We're not going to linger on them too long because though significant, they're looking in the wrong direction. They're looking backwards versus looking forward. But I wonder what left you in this place where you felt like you'd had enough. Maybe sin. Maybe you came to a place of walking with Jesus and you were just real passionate in the very first couple of weeks and everything seemed to make sense to you. But then if you've looked back at that parable of the sow and you're like, that was me. You know, the seed that springs up, but there's no root and it gets washed away pretty quickly. Yeah, that was me, Lord, you know. I never really got the passion to move forward with God or I made a terrible decision. I got into a relationship with an ex that I knew that I shouldn't be with and it's drawn me back into the world that I've just seen myself liberated from and you say, God, you know, is there hope for me, a backslider? Maybe you're, like all of us have been, at the end of the honeymoon period. You know what the honeymoon period is with Christianity. You're on fire for God. You want to read your Bible every day. You go out and buy every single Christian CD you can get your hands on, as long as it's good music. And then you're dealing with all of your stuff, throwing away this, throwing away that, throwing away the other thing. And you say, God, you know what? I'm following you with everything. But then maybe something happens to derail you. Maybe uh, someone lets you down in expectation, or maybe you, you, you just hit a plateau. And you will hit a plateau if you're continuing to just look at yourself in the context of your faith. It's when we start to interact with others that we start to feel the stretch and the push in the Christian faith. But maybe you hit the end of that period and you're like, you know what, where are all the other on fire people? I'm the only one that loves Jesus. I'm the only one that has pursued him, except now I don't really feel like pursuing him so much anymore. Well, maybe you're one of those that um, you had a few prophetic words over your life. 
You know, I know people that were told great and swelling things about the future and destiny that God had for them, but right now, those words seem farther away than they ever did when they came to Christ. And they're saying, God, you know what? These promises, these words that these men of God supposedly gave to me, what is going on with them? And the hope deferred and hope lost has left them in a place where they've become faithless. Or maybe you uh, got distracted or over busy with the things of life. You came to KT and you said, you know what? I'm going to get involved in the welcome team and the stewarding team, and I'm going to be a cell leader, and I'm going to um, go on prayer walks around my town and do evangelism. And then you hit to a place where everything was about giving out and very little was about being strengthened in your heart and your relationship with Jesus. And you lost sight of that one thing, relationship with God. Or betrayal. Seems God or perhaps people didn't meet your expectations. Maybe dreams that you had that you held dear feel like God took them away or you lost loved ones and haven't been able to explain what happened there. Or maybe you're crying over the fact that your family members have backslidden to the point where you think there might be no hope. Or maybe you're looking at your job or your career and saying, you know what, God, this is not what I was dreaming about. This is not what I'm hoping for. Now, all of those things will bring you to a place where you start to hopefully say, God, I need to understand my faith afresh in you. See, the enemy designs it so that you'll get to the point where you feel like you're down and out. He designs these challenges one after another, like each one of those waves, so that you feel like, I'm gonna give up on this Christian walk. But if you recognize it, it's at that place when you start to say, Jesus, why am I here? That you're the perfect candidate for the second wind. You're the perfect candidate to press through and see God's plan and purpose revealed in your life. See, there's a lesson perhaps to be learned for why you got there in the first place, but it's not for you to focus on. See, what you brought you into a specific situation isn't necessarily what's keeping you there. You might have a clear sight on I am in this situation right now because of X, Y, Z decision that I made. I got into the wrong relationship. I made some bad decisions. I refused to humble myself. I was prideful about what I was saying God was gonna be doing in my life when he wasn't really declaring it in that kind of a way. And we can look back and explain all of the things that have brought us to the place where we are right now. But what is keeping you there and preventing you from going on is not the same as what has got you here. What is keeping you there is something else. Maybe you aren't willing to let go of those experiences in order to lay hold of Christ's new experiences for you. Maybe you're too busy saying, you know what, God, you have to resurrect that relationship. You have to make it work, God. If you don't make it work, then I'm not going to move forward. Maybe you're saying, God, you know what? I'm too angry with you. I'm just too angry with you to want to move forward. You know, you did this, 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 and so now I'm angry. Or now I'm doubting. Or now I'm still grieving, God, and I'm grieving because you let me down and not letting go of the grief in order to move forward. See, we do something real well as human beings. We forget pretty, well, we try to forget. But where we get it wrong is we say that 
forgetting is the same as forgiveness. Where we get it wrong is sometimes we just push stuff down, say, you know what, that emotion, I'm not supposed to feel that, I'm a Christian, I'm not supposed to be angry with this person, I'm a Christian, I'm not supposed to think about that because it's a negative thought. And Do you know how many people just straight away, the minute you begin to say, don't say that, don't declare it over your life in Jesus' name? But if you've got that emotion, you need to unpack it. You need to figure out what it's there for. Why are you angry at God? Why are you doubting? Why are you full of grief? And then bringing it to God and dealing with it. See, forgetting what has happened to you doesn't equate to forgiveness. Forgiveness is forgiveness. It's looking at something, looking at a situation, looking at a a failure, looking at a letdown and saying, you know what, God, I'm going to release forgiveness and I'm going to move forward. So maybe you're being kept by the fact that you're not willing to let go of the past and move forward into the future. Or Or otherwise... You're being kept by something else quite significant. And at base, this is pride. Um, and I was going to put it, build up towards saying that it's pride, but at base it is, and we'll unpack what that looks like. See, some of us think we know how to get out of a trouble, challenge, situation. So, you know, some of us need to let go of the past, but some of us are sitting here thinking, you know what, God, I know how to get out of this situation. I know how. Have any of you ever sat with a friend and talked about your situation, talked about where you are at in life and said, God, you know, I'm, uh, as you're talking to your friend, I- I'm-, I'm trying to figure out my way forward. And your friend starts to say, well, how- how's your Bible reading going? How's your prayer going? How's your uh, church attendance going? All of that kind of stuff. Anyone had that? And you've sat there and you've just nodded your head and you said, yeah, I know I need to pray more. I know I need to worship more. I know I need to read my Bible more. I know I need to attend church more. And then just not done it. And have you done that? And then done it again a couple of months later? And then done it again a couple of months later? I do that. Whenever I'm hitting a point where I get tired or get frustrated or maybe I take on too much and get sick and then sitting down with God on a, on a forced day off and I'm like, God, why am I here again? I know what I need to do, Jesus. I need to pray more. I need to read my Bible more. I need to do this more and everything else less is the uh, hidden thing in that, of course. And I don't do anything with it. Why don't I do anything with it? What is limiting me? What is holding me back from pursuing God in, with fresh passion, with fresh fire? See, either we don't let go of the past or we make the fatal error of continuing to trust in ourselves and what we can do to get ourselves out of this challenge right now. What can I do to enable myself to keep going and go through the barrier and go through and continue into the place of second wind? Sometimes God just keeps bringing you back to the place of rock bottom. The place where you get a sense that you've got nothing left. Because it's there that God can start to deal with you. It's there that trust in God starts to come to the fore in the midst of brokenness and repentance. It's there that the second wind starts to kick in when we say, you know what, God, I humble myself. 
I humble myself. You know what the most liberating thing for me was? It wasn't all the agreements with myself that I will do this, I will do that, I will work harder, I will try harder, I will make it back to that place where I will inspire people with my walk with God. There's none of those things that motivated me forward. Do you know what it did? Because when I sat down and I reflected and simple words dropped into my heart, God loves me and I love God. It was that simple. I mean, it's, it sounds so trite. It sounds so simple, you know, because we hear it every week. Oh, you know, you need to love God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And it's that straightforward. But my answer was always, I need to read my Bible more. I need to worship more. I need to try harder. But the moment I was humble enough to say, you know what? God loves me and I love him. It's not the first thing that God is interested in. God is interested in his glory. He's interested in the glory and honor of his name. But the way that that works out is through each one of us revealing his love to us so that we can respond with love to him and glorify him. And just understanding suddenly, I love God and God loves me. Change. I want to pray. I want to seek God. Where's my Bible? Dust it off. Where's my music? Start listening to it again. What, what, how more can I spend time with God? And that place of brokenness, that place of repentance, I've made it sound too simple, really, because, well, sometimes talking about what you deal with in your heart is too challenging, especially in a public context. But the issue is, is that you have to hit that wall. You have to hit that place where you say, you know what, God? I'm not going to sit here and say, yeah, yeah, that was a great sermon, if it doesn't change me. I'm not going to pretend any longer if it doesn't draw me closer to you. If I don't step into a deeper relationship with you as a consequence, then I've not truly repented. And recognizing that God is the one that's working for us, working in us, working through us, is quite a humbling experience. You know, we think we should just get it done. We should just be able to do it ourselves. We should just be able to move forward. But it's God that comes to lift us up and it's God that comes to set us on the path back towards giving him glory. See, one of the biggest deceptions in the Christian faith is we think that God only got us started And then he stops the moment we fail. He comes and finds us and forgives us and cleans us up and then says, okay, on you go. Go and do a good job. Oh, you fell over again? Not going to clean you up this time. Going to leave you lying by the side of the road. I'm going to leave you like a failure that you are. That's what we believe. And that's what the devil has done to twist us in our faith. I mean, how scared are we? that we think that God is going to leave us when we fail. But Paul said this amazing thing in Philippians 1 verse 6. He said, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for us to feel this way about you all because we hold you in our heart for you are all partakers of grace. 
If I was to sit back and think about some of the people that encourage me the most in this church and in the church at large, it's when you see a single mom come to church. Do you know how much bravery that requires? When there's so many holy people around and not having the time to, or the relationship to, or even needing to explain to anyone what the situation is, they still come to worship Jesus. Or people that go through the heartbreak and ravage of divorce, and yet they choose to continue to come and worship Jesus. And if you think about it, that is an amazing example of someone that's caught the second wind. Or when you think about somebody who's fallen into sin, whether it was moral failure or, or otherwise, and they've got the humility to say, you know what, God, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep walking my faith with you because I've understood something about your grace. I've understood something about your goodness. See, when you sit with someone that's been through that kind of a circumstance and you say, how are you still here? Listen carefully. Listen carefully to what they share with you because they've caught something of God in the situation that they're facing right there and then and they're learning to move forward. And we could easily come back with some smart comment, some judgment. But where would you be without grace? Where would you be without the good God who comes and determines to complete the work in us that he's started? someone who's facing that kind of a situation can get up and pursue God, maybe we can get up and pursue God. See, God wants us to catch a second wind, not start the race for a second time. We've all come too far to go all the way back to where we started. We've all come too far to go back and start again. Maybe you've gone through challenges. Maybe you've gone through suffering. God doesn't promise us an easy life. He doesn't say it's all gonna be rosy and cushy. What he does say is he's gonna walk through it with us. He's gonna pass through this life with us on our side. He gives us strength to make sense of the situation that we're facing right here, right now. So if we've come too far to go back, why don't we turn around to the people around us and start to think, how can I be encouraged and how can I be an encouragement to people around me? With simple things like, I learned how to love God. I learned how to receive the love of God. I learned how to love people. I didn't come back with my religious, I read 20 chapters a day of the Bible. You know you can read 20 chapters a day of the Bible and have nothing of the Holy Spirit in you. Equally, you can have loads of the Holy Spirit in you and have none of the Bible in you. You need to have a good balance. You need to walk deeper with God in both sense. But let's start to look at the circumstance we're facing right now and say, you know what, what is it? What is it that will enable me to start trusting on God? What is it that will enable me to start walking with God? See, God has a plan for us. And maybe you're saying, God, this discipline is unfair. But the passage that I read from Hebrews makes it so clear that God is disciplining us because he's given us a fresh position that we don't deserve. It's a position known as sonship or daughtership. It's when we recognize that we have entered into a relationship with the God of the second chance. 
The gospel is a message of second chances. The gospel is a message of second hope. If we didn't have the gospel, none of us would be sitting here in the first place, let alone having the strength to keep walking forward and keep believing God and keep laying hold of him. And he might be dealing with you in this circumstance. He might be dealing with you in this situation. He might be challenging you, but he's challenging you for a reason. Maybe you need to be obedient to the challenge to forgive. Maybe you need to be obedient to the challenge to serve. Maybe you need to be obedient to the challenge to love. Maybe you need to be obedient to the challenge to love one another. Because all of these things are God disciplining us, working in us, teaching us how to be like his son Jesus. And if we can learn how to walk through the situations we're doing right now with that strength, we'll be able to run this race with the second wind. You know, the swifty that you are able to return to him and his grace, the more that you will learn how to run in this place of the second wind. Learn how to run in this place where you keep going as, without, with strength that you couldn't understand. God, how am I able to be here? How am I able to keep moving forward? But it begins with trusting God. Second part of this is that it continues with waiting on God. We start with the role of brokenness and repentance in trusting God. We continue it with waiting on God. When you've got to the place where you know you can't rely on yourself anymore, that's the place where you start to walk out a genuine relationship with him. See, God has given us a fresh identity as sons and daughters. He's given us a purpose. He's given us direction to glorify Jesus, to be holy people. But more than that, He's also given us the power, the power. The second wind is about walking in Christ with his power, his power to keep moving forward. Any of you ever hit that place when you're wrestling with sin, when you're saying, God, you know, I can't overcome this sin, I'm being challenged, I can't beat it, as if it was about our own power. And yet it says in scripture that he, through the power that worked in us, The same power that he worked in Christ to raise him from the dead is the same power that works in us and that will bring life to our mortal bodies and it will give us the strength to overcome um, sin. See, sometimes what happens with us is that we don't wait on God. Say, God, you know what? I'm gonna run ahead. I'm gonna deal with this at my own pace and I'm gonna fix that need that I have for a relationship and I'm gonna stand on this person's head to get the promotion that I want and I'm gonna do this my way to get to the place where I wanna get and the time that I wanna get there in without understanding that God is working in us through the situation that we're facing. He's building into us the strength that we need for this second wind. If you want to read more on that, there's a great book called Revolution Within, well worth reading, something that we're going through as a church right now. And as you start to do that, as you start to say, God, I'm going to step out of my new identity. I'm going to continue in your direction, your purpose for me, but I'm going to do so in partnership with you, with your power, with your strength. Then you'll start to build a momentum towards where God is calling you to go. You'll start to build a momentum towards living for Christ's glory. What's it all for, though? What's the point of the second wind? What's the point of believing God? What's the point of pressing through these challenging times? What's the point of being inspired by people around us? It's twofold. One is that there's going to come a time when everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And God actually is dealing with you today and dealing with you now 
so that when the time of shaking comes, you will have his character formed in you and reliance on him formed in you so that you can stand in those challenges and stand in those trials. See, shaking begins at the house of God and then it continues outside. Don't shy away from when God comes to shake you. Don't shy away from when he comes to challenge you because he's actually preparing you to be a much stronger people who know him in the future. The second part is this, that in standing, in displaying Jesus in the most difficult times, when your boss has conspired against you with your colleagues and they are trying to get you fired and they're trying to get you out of the job and you have been a good Christian witness. You know, sometimes that Christians aren't the great witness. Have been a good Christian witness and you're able to say, you know what? I've lived for Jesus. And they're looking at you saying, we don't know what's going on with this person, but they're peaceful and they're living for Jesus. We stand in the great shaking so that we can stand and give God glory when we do stand. He's molding us and preparing us now so that when it comes time in the future, we will be able to stand and say, you know what, Jesus, I've learned to glorify you. See, we're not necessarily having to learn right now under the situation of persecution like people are in the Middle East, but we're certainly having to learn as God works on our character in the different circumstances we are in today. So that in future, in difficult circumstances, we can keep glorifying Jesus. See, God has a purpose in your trial. Your greatest worth, your greatest value is to have lived a life for his glory. So I wanna encourage you here today. You might have all the reasons why you've got to where you are, but there's a couple of things holding you back. One is letting go and one is laying aside your pride. And taking up the forgiveness that is in Christ, the second chance message of the gospel that Jesus died on a cross for us so that we might have life in Christ. And keep walking forward, but with a fresh eyes open understanding that you're walking in his identity in you, his power in you, his purpose for you. So that ultimately you can glorify him through your life. It's time for us as a church to learn from our mistakes, to learn from the people around us who we would like to put down, to learn from people who are following Jesus right now and say, you know what, I need to catch something from you. I don't want to keep being in the same place, but I want to be going deeper with God. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you, Lord, for what you're doing here today, Lord. Lord, that you're starting to stir us up, Lord, Stir us up and encourage us both individually by your spirit, but also people sitting around one another, Lord, that we would start to be the brother, the sister, running the race with, saying, come on, come on, you can do it. You can do it. Keep going, keep going, keep going, because soon you're going to hit that wall. Soon you're going to hit that place where the strength starts to fill your, blo your, your, your blood vessels, your, your muscles as you push through that wall. Soon you're going to see God start to vindicate himself. Soon you're going to see God come alongside as you keep running forward, faithfully pursuing him. Lord, we encourage those that have sat down, sat out of the race and said they don't have it in them anymore. Lord, I pray, Father, that today, Lord, that you would start to stir people up to keep pressing through. Lord, that you have something for us in this challenge, that you are bringing us forth as gold, as sons and daughters of the Most High God. And Lord, that you're gonna glorify your name through us.
in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. God bless you.